Welcome to this Halloween special from Neozaz.com, Matt's Crummy Halloween Comics Collection, part of our 2020 Halloween celebration. I am Matt, and this is the show where I take a look at one of my comics from my collection of a particular taste of comics, I'll say. Now, that sounds a little more risque than it really is. This week, I am featuring a subject that is one of the four pillars of my Halloween Celebration Foundation. If you know anything about me from this network and our annual Halloween Celebration, you know that those four pillars are horror movies, The War of the Worlds, the 1938 Orson Welles broadcast in particular, Halloween Horror Nights, and the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror specials. We featured the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episodes in our past Halloween celebrations, and it's really not any stretch of the imagination to consider that we're going to do that again sometime down the line. But there's also a Treehouse of Horrors comic title from Bongo Comics. The first issue was published in September of 1995, and the full title then was Bart Simpson's Treehouse of Horror. It's structured in much the same way the TV specials are. It's horror-themed short stories, some of them parodies, some original, and there was always multiple stories per issue. The title was published once a year, each September, as Bart Simpson's Treehouse of Horror up until September of 2007 with issue 13. In September of 2008, the title was changed slightly with issue 14, now being called The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. This annual tradition continued up to 2017 with the release of issue 23. I'm not going to call that the last issue right now. I'll call it the most recent issue, because if you followed The Simpsons comics, you know that they can suddenly stop in just about when you've kind of given up on the title, bam, there's five new issues. So there may be a 24th issue or more someday in the future. But right now, the most recent one is from 2017. But for this episode, we are talking about a fairly recent issue in terms of released issues. I'm going to go through a couple stories in issue 22 from September 2016. Of the 23 issues to choose from, there really wasn't a bad choice to do in this episode, but there was one element and one story of this issue that I really liked, and it was what kind of swayed me into picking this issue. And it actually kind of all starts on the cover. So the cover for this, it's a, well, like I said, they'll do parodies of their originals. This is a straight up parody. There's absolutely... No missing this parody. It is a Ghostbusters parody. And starting at the very top, you have the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror title. Then right under that is a huge Homer redrawing as the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man with the hat, the scarf, and everything. It's There's no question what he's supposed to be. He's walking over some buildings down a street in Springfield, and on top of the building is Marge and Maggie hitting him with a proton, uh, with their proton packs. On the street, there's a redrawn Bart as the Slimer Ghost from Ghostbusters, with Lisa taking a shot at him and her having just passed by and giving her the kind of uh, Vinkman sliming, though not entirely covered, but give her a a good good uh, Passover of the ectoplasm, I guess you'd say. There was really no getting through that description without sounding dirty, so I just kind of just 
leave it at what it is. That's all I'm going to say. So along with that, um, a couple other things, the, the release, the issue number is 22. It was 499 when it was released and no date on the cover, but we already discussed that in its lineage of releases. So that is the cover. Now, let me say that these Treehouse of Horror titles are double issues, and this issue in particular, there are four stories, which is one more than usual TV specials. So to keep this episode within the same length range of the rest of this Halloween season, I'm just going to cover two of those stories. Two of those stories together are about as many pages as the average comic that I've covered so far. The first story in this issue that I'm going to cover in this episode is called The Ghost Bashers, and it's something that The Simpsons can do really well. It's a movie parody. They're not always winners, though, I'll admit that, but let's let's not make a decision yet until we go through the story. So, we have the story title page and the credits right away. We have the writer is Tony DiGirolamo, pencils Rex Lindsay, inks Patrick Owsley, Colors, Art Velavanuva. Letters, Karen Bates. And editor, Nathan Kane. We start off with Mr. Burns and Smithers walking the halls of the nuclear power plant. Burns is discussing cutting costs, starting with the plant library, because it is a complete waste of space and money with everyone using what he calls their mobilized telephonic computing devices. Smithers suggests that the safety procedures and manuals should probably be kept, but before he can finish his plea, a ghostly apparition appears calling out for Burns. It's Waylon Smithers Sr., and he tells Burns that you owe me and proceeds to spew a large amount of green slime all over Mr. Burns. Lying on the ground, Mr. Burns mutters that he slimed me, Wayland, I feel so funky, and we cut to the showers where Mr. Burns is scrubbing off the ectoplasm. Burns is telling Smithers that they can't have ghosts of former employees roaming the plant. Someone has to get rid of them and tell Smithers to get Homer Simpson on it. Smithers reminds him of the numerous times that Homer has single-handedly caused near meltdowns in the plant, Burns concurs and then orders Lenny and Carl, who are in neighboring shower stalls, to get rid of the ghost. They're happy to do so, but they suggest that they need someone in charge of this operation, and Burns says, there's been a lot of talk about this Homer Simpson person lately. Put him in charge. So cut to Homer in the break room where he is working his way through a box of lard lad donuts when a spectral voice moans, Simpson. Turns out it's the ghost of Frank Grimes. He's here to haunt Homer by ensuring that future donuts in the break room are forever unfrosted. Outside, Lenny and Carl hear Homer's scream of terror to the idea of the unfrosted donuts, I should add, and rush in and fill him in on the job that Burns has set them out to do in clearing the plant of ghosts. Homer agrees, saying he's a fighter, not a lover, but also he's not a think-brain guy, and they need to find the biggest nerd in Springfield, jump to Professor Frank's lab. Homer asks Frank if he can help with the ghostly dealy thing, and Professor Frank is already on the case, having trapped two ghosts in Springfield, the first one being Shari Bobbins, and the second one, I believe, is Lionel Hutz, best I can tell, which makes me both happy and sad to see at the same time. Frank explains that in order to trap ghosts, they must first be subdued, 
and he arms them all with his latest invention, the particle batons. Now they're all dressed in matching beige jumpsuits and all armed with the particle batons and the accompanying power pack. Backpacks, I should add, so you can get a clear picture. I think you're getting the idea of where this whole look is going. Homer, Lenny, Carl, and Frank storm into a local French restaurant-themed hotel looking to bash some ghosts. The manager, or maybe the... Uh, what would you say, the recurring maitre d' from The Simpsons, that's kind of what the character uh, looks like, greets them and says, Thanks, Zizis, you are here. The ghost has ruined the Bastille de festivities. And then suddenly, Dr. Marvin Monroe turns a corner. The four start to bash him with their particle batons, but Marvin Monroe screams, I'm not a ghost. And Homer answers, I could have sworn you were dead. Much like I think every reader uh, thought when they saw this panel. They move into the buffet dining area and see the real ghost that's causing the havoc. And it is Red Barclay, last seen in the Slaughterhouse restaurant, where he passed away after besting Homer in a 16-pound steak-eating challenge. I don't have the episode name, but that was the story. It was, it's, a, a, it's not a recurring character. It's a, what would you call it, a callback character from an actual aired TV episode of The Simpsons. The crew captures the ghost of Red Barclay and then continue to wander the town to the tune of their newly created Ghost Bashers theme, capturing the ghost of Maud Flanders, Bleeding Gums Murphy, Alice Glick, Amber Simpson, and then come across the ghost of Dr. Marvin Monroe, causing Homer to say, hey, you said you weren't a ghost. And they subtle uh-oh response from Monroe as they capture him as well. Next page, the ghost bashers are reporting to Mr. Burns. They've been diligently bashing ghosts, but there are just far too many of them. Burns explains that he was afraid of that, adding, You see, I bulldozed an ancient temple of the old gods to build this nuclear power plant. The basement of the temple is still underneath us. Frank reacts, saying, Good Flavin, that's the temple of the she, the unpronounceable. And if we don't stop the unpronounceable, she shall return to destroy all life. You think there'd be a enflargengagen or something into that? That was awful. I can't believe I added that. Off frame, a voice says, don't worry, fellas. The female ghost bashers are here. And we see Marge Simpson, Loanne Van Houten, Bernice Hibbert, and Helen Lovejoy in matching jumpsuits and also wielding particle batons. Homer explains that we're pretty much doing the same thing already, so this seems kind of pointless and redundant. The female ghost bashers walk off disappointed with Marge adding, See, I told you girls he just wouldn't get it. The original ghost bashers head down to the basement, and she whose name is unpronounceable appears, and it's the ghost of Edna Krabappel in the Gozer jumpsuit. She commands the bashers to choose the form of their destructor, they try to keep their minds blank, but Homer thinks of the one thing that couldn't possibly harm them and cut to Lard Lad marching down the street, destroying the town with a giant donut. Homer faces off with him with the one attack he knows against our Lard Lad, and that is to start eating. And he takes a large bite out of Lard Lad's leg, causing Lard Lad to lose balance, fall over into the power plant. The Busters are victorious and report the success to the now ghost version of Mr. Burns, who was inside the plant as Lard Lad fell on it and crushed it. Burns explains, yes, but as you can see, I'm dead. But on the upside, 
I don't have to pay you for all those hours of overtime, so the joke's on you. The bashers give a quirk. The bashers give a quick smirk to each other and then proceed to pummel the ghost of Mr. Burns. And that is it for the ghost bashers. So to break format a little bit, I'm going to go ahead and page through this story and give my rating before I go into the next story. So let's take a look here. So starting off with the artwork, one, one thing that comes and goes in these comics is depending on who the artist is, sometimes they take some liberties with the models and put them in their style, which is fine. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. And other times they're pretty screen accurate, I guess you'd say. This is one of the ones that is, it looks like it's pulled right off from the screen. Maybe there's a little bit more of a rounded, softer edge to it. I'm not quite sure what word I'm looking for there, but like uh, Homer's face is maybe... Uh, there's no sharp angles in his face to compare it to. There might be a little, the curves might be a little more round, I guess, <laughs> trying to say than normal. But that that's a maybe. Otherwise, it looks like it's uh, basically screen captures from a TV episode. The, I guess the, well, I won't get to that part yet because that is the end. I really liked that I had to take some time to verify that many of these ghosts, who they were. Um, Frank Grimes, that was easy. I didn't know Waylon Smithers Sr. I don't know if he's a character from the show. I'd have to look that up. But Frank Grimes was easy. Um, Sherry Bobbins, uh, who I think is Lionel Hutz, those were pretty easy. The Marvin Monroe bit, I'll talk about that in a second. But I had to look up um, Red Barclay. I knew the character and I knew the episode, but I couldn't think of his name. And then uh, Bleeding Gums Murphy was easy. Maud Flanders was easy. I had to, I, I remember at the Alice Glick character, but I couldn't remember exactly what her name was. And Amber Simpson, I also had to look up, which was great. So I really like the fact that they didn't make up any ghosts in this. They're all characters who died on screen one way or another in the show, except maybe Marvin Monroe. What I didn't like about that. I like the idea of that we've never seen Marvin Monroe's death, but yet in that one um, particular episode, uh, it was a weird special, like the 138th episode special, something like that. They talked about him having died, but we didn't see it. So I liked the idea that they brought him into the story without being dead, but then they go back and he is dead. And what I don't like is that there is a particular aesthetic being drawn on these ghosts that he had when we saw him in the reprise of this story, but he didn't have that aesthetic in the first time. So uh, the argument, I guess, could be made. He died between scenes, but his reaction shows that he was not uh, dead when we saw him the first time. The uh, joke about the female Ghostbusters, I mean, that I guess that's, oh, I know what it is. It's it's an homage, or uh, not an homage, but a reference to the, the Ghostbusters remake or reboot. I'm not even sure which one it technically is, uh, but it was very short-lived. I don't even know if they needed to have it. I've never seen that one, so I don't... Maybe there was a joke in there I'm not familiar with. That's very possible. Now, okay. Here's what I was going to say. I was going to say it till the end. The ending is pretty much plug and play. They take almost the exact, if not the exact ending of Ghostbusters and plug in characters. They put in Edna Krabappel in Gozer... They put Lard Lad in the Stay Puff, and that's really about it. But, I mean, it also works for the story. I mean, it's uh, the Edna Krabappa one was a surprise, the Lard Lad not so much. But 
you know, if you're going to do Ghostbusters beginning to end on your take, you you can't really have a finale without some kind of large something destroying the town. And Lard Lad is, I think, toe-to-toe the size of Stay Puff. So why not? Um, the particle batons, it's a nice little twist between uh, uh, the proton packs. And they look like lightsabers, but they use them like bully clubs. So it's a... It's a, a nice little reimagining to keep, uh, I guess, I don't know what they do. I mean, considering they're actually using lines from the movies, I don't know if copyright <laughs> restrictions are even a concern to them, but to do something different for it and probably easier to draw uh, over and over, I should say. The batons are on a lot in these panels, so a straight line-ish, a club, I would imagine, would be less uh, cumbersome to draw, especially if you're drawing a proton stream that could cover some of the imagery you need to tell in the story. This is all theoretical. I've never attempted to draw a comic in my life. But after that, I mean, I, I really liked paging through this. And the, the appearance of the ghost, I did say in the beginning there was one story and a, a facet to that story that made me pick this issue. And this is it. It was the passed away characters. It was the kind of continuity, accurate um, inclusion of the ghost in this Ghostbusters story. I like that a lot. That's why I picked this one. So for my rating of this story, and not not we're not done. I'm going to do the second story. I'm just going to rate it now uh, instead of the comic as a whole. My rating from crum- crummy to classic, I'm going to give it a one panel away from classic. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that I really like this story a lot from what I just said from the page through. And I actually like it better than some of the more recent Treehouse of Horror uh, parody segments as well. The thing that keeps it one panel away is that panel of Marvin Monroe that's not a ghost, but he was a ghost. That bothered me a little. I just talked about it. And that's the only panel. That is the only panel I'd change in this. But otherwise, it's, I mean, it's, it's a fun story. It's exactly what you would pick up and want to see with that cover, it's the parody you'd want to see. And it's very Treehouse of horrors, but we are not done. We have a, another story. So since I picked the parody, I wanted to pick one of the original stories in this episode and in, or I should say from this comic and the story, the original story in this one is called retirement castle of the vampires. And we start with the title page and credits again for this one. No cover to describe, obviously. This is within the cover uh, that I described the opening show with, the Ghostbusters cover. But this credits page says, Writer James W. Bates, pencils Phil Ortiz, inks Mike Rote, colors Robert Stanley, letters Karen Bates, and editor Nathan Kane. The story starts with Homer and Bart dropping Grandpa back off at the Springfield Retirement Castle. Grandpa is dreading going back in because it is no fun. But when he and Bart go inside, he sees that all the retirement castle residents are dancing, laughing. They're just having a great time. Jasper walks past him and draws the blinds. Grandpa asks, what are you doing? Trying to keep out the moonlight. And Jasper explains, just doing what nurse Yorga told me to do. Bart notes that things are very weird around the castle, and Grandpa questions who Nurse Yorga is. She must be new, he says. Nurse Yorga appears and says, no, I'm actually very quite old. And Keen Simpsons fans will immediately recognize this as Barbara Bubarella Levinsky in a nurse's uniform. 
She's carrying a tray of cups filled with red ooze, and she calls out to her as she says, children saying that it's snack time, and all the retirement castle residents come rushing up to her to grab a cup. Even Agnes Skinner is there, and she has only dropped by to play bingo, but she says she stays for the snacks. Barton Grandpa tastes the snack and quickly realizes that it's blood. Nurse Yorga is on the phone and Bart overhears her order 200 pints from the Springfield Blood Bank and figures out she's a vampire. Bart starts to look closer at the residents. Some of them are floating and he sees puncture wounds on their necks. Before Bart and Grandpa can make an escape plan, Jasper comes leaping at Grandpa. But before he bites him, he stops and hisses and shrieks away. Bart asks Grandpa if he's wearing a crucifix. Grandpa says, nope, it's my garlic necklace. I never leave home without it. I always wear one. The 1952 Farmer's Almanac said it's the best way to keep from catching a cold. Now we see the rest of the vampire residents are blocking the door. Grandpa says there's an exit in the physical therapy room. Bart says to run, but Grandpa doesn't get too far. Bart loads Grandpa up on a skateboard and begins to push him down the halls. They are suddenly followed by a bat, and they try to duck into a janitor's closet. They open up the door and see the Count Burns version of Mr. Burns from the Treehouse of Horror segment, Bart Simpson's Dracula, hanging from the ceiling, informing the Simpsons, Sorry, this closet is occupied. They slam the door, and the garlic snaps off from the necklace. They get cornered by vampire Agnes Skinner. Bart comes up with a plan and has Grandpa distract her by calling out bingo numbers as Bart hits her in the head with his skateboard. All this did was shatter Bart's skateboard to pieces. Agnes starts to close in on Grandpa, and Bart grabs a piece of the broken skateboard and drives that wooden shard through the vampire Agnes's heart, and she disintegrates into a skeleton. A few minutes later, Bart and Grandpa make it to the physical therapy room, but the vampires are already there waiting. Suddenly, Homer comes bursting in. He's been waiting for Bart this entire time in the car, though he admittedly fell asleep at one point. He offers to let the vampires bite him in order to let Bart go. The vampires recoil at the idea of biting Homer because his neck is so high in cholesterol, but Nurse Yorga is so hungry that she takes the chance. Immediately, she gets a bit woozy, but it's not from the cholesterol. It's from the booze in Homer's blood. She stumbles back, tripping on that drawn curtain, pulling it down, and flooding the room with sunlight. All the vampires, including Nurse Yorga, fall in a pile of smoldering bones. Later that day, we see Homer hiding under the reception desk. Bart tells him that he can come out now. All the windows are covered. Homer can't believe he's a vampire now. Grandpa tries to console him by telling him that he can hide out in the retirement home like one eternal visit with his old man. Bart does have something to cheer Homer up. It's a half dozen donuts and a blood bag with a needle to fill the donuts for Homer's breakfast. And that is the end of the retirement castle of the vampire. So let's take a look at this one as well. And in fact, for that long diatribe, I went on about this looking screen accurate, or I'm sorry, of the uh, ghost basher, ghost bashers looking screen accurate. I would say this is even more so. This is that like one little thing I couldn't put my finger on closer. This does look exactly like the cartoon in every respect. There's every model is on, including the transformed models, like the ghost Jasper, who is a darker beard and fangs and the, the other vampires. Everything is absolutely spot on. Um, there's 
there's a lot I like about this. I don't know if I want to save that towards my final review, but as I'm paging through, I, I, first off, first and foremost, having Boobarella in here is great. It's one of those parody characters that came up with a long time that comes up when you least suspect it. It's a great place to put that character and build a story around. I like that they didn't make up anything new for this. I like that. And I like that about both stories is that there's no new characters in this. It's all existing characters. And in this case, one that's put in, in a different aspect than we'd seen her before. So, and I have no problem with that, especially when it's one of these kind of alternate reality stories, which these Treehouse of horrors um, stories exactly are the, along with that uh, idea. The fact that we are kind of stepping out of one world into another. Every time we do this, we have a, a character from that world make an appearance, and that's Count Burns from the Dracula parody. So that was fun. I like that, too. I like the dialogue in this, particularly Grandpa, when he talks about having a piece of garlic tied around his neck since the, uh, uh, the almanac told him to in 1952. That entire line I heard in my head, him explaining it with that kind of upturned glee at the end when he explains things like this. It's, it's And uh, Homer, um, I didn't write out the entire dialogue, but his angry about waiting for Bart yet he wasn't really waiting that long because he was asleep it's another uh, the dialogue is, is is dead on is what I'm trying to say I'm just kind of repeating myself at this point so let's get to the final review because anything else I'm going to say is just going to hammer that home from crummy to classic I'm going to call it pretty good in fact i think i would call it really good it was one of their better original stories as of late as well which i mean not so hard to do when they've had they've had 31 treehouse of horrors with the 32nd coming up so that is 96 stories to tell you kind of not all gonna be winners like that saturday night live sketch it's 99 floors of horror they ain't all gonna be winners so maybe it's unfair to compare them but it's it's still one that hasn't been done on the TV show and none of the other comics. And it was still engaging. It was, I, I liked it. I didn't really find much wrong about it. I liked that it. It used a classic horror trope of vampires. It brought in, I said, as I was talking that obscure, a reference of Boobarella, but yet still in the Simpsons world. And I, like I said, with the dialogue, the dialogue and personalities were, were pretty point on. I mean, I just really like this story. And those two stories are just half of this comic. There's two other stories that I found just as good as this. The only reason I didn't pick either of those two is because those were also parody stories. So I really wanted to cover the Ghostbusters cover parody, and I wanted to cover an original in the spirit of the entire history and lineage of the Treehouse of Horrors. So really, it's it's a pretty darn good episode or uh, issue altogether. Uh, they're all four really solid stories. Oh, I guess I could say for point of reference, the other two stories that in this episode are the X-Files with the uh, X in it spelled E-X and Bart and and Lisa versus the Red Monster, which what I really liked about this was it harkens back to a lot of Looney Tune uh, monster scenes throughout their years. So that was, even though it wasn't a direct parody of a story beginning to end, it was a parody of another cartoon which was really fun. So this entire issue, in fact, this entire run of comics is worth picking up. And I don't believe I told the story of how and why I got these. I mean, it's, I think it's pretty easy. I think I got like the first 17 altogether from a comic book shop. And then 
just went on a hunt for the rest, and it was it was a mixed bag. Sometimes I found them at conventions, sometimes I found them at comic book stores, and sometimes I had to buy them online. Um, I think I avoided eBay pretty much for the most part, but I did go to like um, was it a thingsfromanotherworld.com and mycomicbookshop.com. So I had to do some online buying to complete the set. But I did buy the complete set because, like I said, what I did say in the beginning, this is one of, my, one of my four pillars of my Halloween celebration is Treehouse of Horrors. So I had to have those comics, and I do. And so with that, we come to an end of this episode of Matt's Crummy Halloween Comics Collection and to the end of this 2020 Halloween celebration episode. But that's not the last of our Halloween celebrations. So check back all month long for more Halloween fun including more of this crummy comic features as well as Halloween episodes from our regular series. You can also check out our social media pages for what's happening. We are Neo's as podcast on Facebook and Neo's as on Twitter and Instagram. And of course you can check out all the work we do, not only at Halloween, but during the entire year at Neo's everything we've done for over 10 years now is online and free to everyone, including all the Halloween episodes from the celebrations past. So, lastly, let me say one more time, I am Matt for NeoZaz.com. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you in that next episode. <laughs>